It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Cajun Nation, we're here for another edition of Raging Cajun Army. Matt Miguez here. A lot of news going on in Cajun Nation today, a lot to break down. Uh, you know, we have a softball preview coming up. We got some basketball to talk about, and we'll also continue the baseball preview over the next couple of weeks. Jerry Abair is here with me. Jerry, what's up, man? Hey, happy Tuesday to you, sir. How are you? Uh, you know, living the dream, man, one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, right. So you know what? Let's open with let's open the show with the talks about Ron Roberts um, becoming the new defensive coordinator at Baylor. the The first thing I want to ask is what were what were your initial thoughts when you heard the news? Honestly, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, you know, I was really I was more surprised that there weren't any coaches beforehand that were taken already um, from the staff. Judging by the way that they. Um, you know, they had a few hot names on the staff. They have a few guys who have coached around, um, have gotten around to, you know, coach to bigger schools before coming here to Louisiana. And so I was kind of surprised that, you know, some of them hadn't gotten scooped up yet. And um, but obviously this is a uh, this is a, a deep dig uh, at Coach Roberts because he he did a fantastic job in the two years that he was here. Um, when he first took the job, I was kind of asking, like, why would a guy who was a head coach for, I don't know, six or seven seasons at a respectable um, FCS program, leave to, to take a job to become a, a defensive coordinator. And then I realized um, he had, I think, I want to say he got a little bit of a, a little bit of a pay raise, if I'm not he mistaken. Did. And also probably, he probably didn't want really much of the, the stress and the pressure of being a head coach. And, and, and not only that, I mean, both, both of those points are correct. But I, I think another big point is the fact that coming to a D1 program, sets him up for positions like the one he took today. Absolutely. And not to mention, I mean, the guy's been around long enough to where he's created some some value to his coaching experience, not only being a head coach, but just the fact that he made a complete 180 or helped this defense make a complete 180 in two short seasons. I mean, I've said it throughout the football season, you know, two years ago. I mean, it's a very different looking defense than the defense we see today. And not, not no disrespect to the previous coaching staff or what we saw two years ago with the defense, but just to see how fast he was able to work with these guys and just get them to effectively play to a level that allowed us to get 11 wins. Um, yeah. I mean, it was amazing that he was able to do that so quickly. Uh, I had a feeling that with his experience, it, it, it helped um, this defense develop and these guys develop and they trusted his system. And look, I, you know, this morning when I found out the news, I, I mean, I, I kind of you had to expect it in many ways that somebody was going to get scooped up. Um, and so Coach Roberts is a great guy. He's a great coach. And I wish him the best of luck at Baylor. I think he's going to do a fantastic job. And I know that he and Coach Dave Aranda go way back. And uh, 
I know that Coach Dave Aranda has a ton of respect for Coach Roberts because Coach Aranda uh, coached under uh, Coach Ron yep, Roberts at, at Southeastern. At yeah, or Delta State. That's correct. Yeah, was it Delta State or Southeastern? Yeah, Delta State. Back Delta in State. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you know teacher and pupil, and now you've got you've got the Coach role, Aranda whose role's been reversed. Role's been reversed. He's worked his way up, but then Coach Roberts has a great gig as well because I'm sure he's he's going to get a little bit of a pay raise, and also he's going to be able to coach a really really good football team in Baylor. And I mean, think about it. They were if if they win that game against Oklahoma in the big 12 championship, they they're in the playoffs. playoffs. So yeah. they, I mean, look, they've got money over there. They've got yeah, a lot were, of support. They, they were, they were a playoff team last year. In my oh, opinion. and, and they're right, right in the heart of Texas, man. They, I mean, they're in the, they're in the, the pot of gold when it comes to, um, <laughs> when it, when it comes to, uh, recruitment or recruiting as far as, um, as far as talent level, uh, you know, I, I'm just uh, I'm just really happy for Coach Roberts, and I wish him the best of luck at Baylor. And thank you for your time, but you know, you hey, you got to spread your wings and fly sooner or later. And he landed a good gig at Baylor. And uh, no, again, you know, best of luck to Coach Roberts. I uh, hope his move is is smooth, and um, I'll be watching out. I'll be watching some more Baylor football next year for sure to see how much that defense improves under his watch because I'm sure. Uh, in the Big 12, when you have a good defense, I mean, that gives you your you 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 definitely have an automatic advantage. So, best of luck to Coach Ron Roberts, and um, thanks again for for all you did here at UL. Yeah, a quote from Billy Napier on the on the hire: We're extremely grateful for Coach Ron Roberts and the contributions he made to our football organization. Under Ron's leadership, our defense made tremendous progress this past season, ranking as one of the most improved defensive units in the nation. We wish we wish him and his family the best of luck going forward. Well, so, so with with that being said, you know Ron Roberts is out. Somebody has to fill the spot, and Billy Napier didn't waste any time doing that, promoting safeties coach Patrick Tony to the position, and also bringing in a graduate assistant from Georgia by the name of Austin Armstrong. He's going to coach the inside linebackers. Jerry, I want to ask you what quickly, what did you think about Patrick Tony getting promoted to the defensive coordinator position, hiring hiring within the house? Well, you're hiring within, but you're, you're playing under the same system. And hopefully they, there's not much change to the said system that, that they're going to that they'll play under next season. I, you know, Patrick Tony was another hot name. He was another hot commodity out there. He's, he's young. He's an up and comer. He's done a fantastic job so far here at Louisiana. And um, he's one of those coaches that I thought might've had a shot at, at going somewhere else or getting scooped up by a, by a P five or a bigger school for more money. And sure enough, he stayed around and I think it's a perfect fit. If you ask me, um, you know, coach Napier, I trust Coach Napier, and Coach Napier has enough trust in Coach Tony, and hopefully he can get it done next season because obviously we have high expectations. But the good thing is, is I believe that they're going to play within the system, and I think if there's anybody who understands the system, I think it's Coach Tony because um, he's he's developed it within that system with Coach Roberts these uh, these past couple seasons. So um, congratulations to Coach Tony, but uh, I know he's he's got a lot of work cut out for him and uh, some big shoes to fill, but I trust that he'll get it done. And staying with the gridiron quickly before we get to softball, we had four Louisiana football players, two on each end of the country, participating in all-star games over the weekend. Jamarcus Bradley and Kevin Dotson in the East-West Shrine game in Tampa, Florida. Jamarcus Bradley having two catches for 27 yards on a touchdown. 
Kevin Dotson, you know, offensive linemen don't really hit the stat sheet a whole lot. But, you know, Kevin Dotson had a great game. Saw a couple highlights of, of him, you know, just mauling over uh, defensive linemen. So, you know, great performance by by both of those guys. And then obviously out west, Michael Joquette and Raymond Calais were in the NFL Players Association Collegiate Bowl. And Ray Ray, as I like to call him, made made some noise in that game, opening the second half with a 101-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. <laughs> Not surprised. Not surprised. Ray, Ray doing dumb. what Ray does. Yeah, he's, he's just, I mean, what else can I say? He's fast. <laughs> I think we all know that. Uh, his speed is going to get him a nice contract, hopefully uh, sooner than later. Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about that. You know, for for obvious reasons, you know, Ray Ray deserves to to play on Sundays as well as Michael Jaquette. You know, the the size, the spending the three years or two years as a as a wide receiver and then transferring over to DB and the skill set that he possesses. I mean, it's a no brainer that he gets picked up as a as a mid round selection. You know, in the in the NFL draft and plays for. For a paycheck on Sundays, as, as Coach Deg like Coach Deggs likes to say, um, you know, very very proud of the, those four gentlemen represented our football program very well, and obviously we wish them the best of luck in the draft in April. Which, by the way, the draft made some interesting news today. Um, so, in case you don't know, the draft is going to be in Las Vegas this year, and they have decided to put the stage. In the Bellagio Fountain. I I thought that was a joke. Like I thought that was an Onion article when I saw the picture. No, that's it's the it's real. Oh the sta- well, the stage the stage is gonna be in the fountain. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've I, see I've I've seen that water show live many times. Oh, it's and, it's awesome. Don't, it's don't get me wrong. Like the lake's big enough, but still, like logistically speaking, that's gonna be kind of difficult to set up. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how they plan to do it. Um, I do know that the players and their families will be in a green room of such on land. And when the player is drafted, he will be transported to the stage via a boat. Yeah, well, okay. You know, the the draft has gotten interesting over the years. A couple years ago was the first time that it was outdoors. You know they they they're kind of they're trying to I think they've they've lost viewership over the last couple of years so maybe they're trying to keep things interesting. More power I mean, to them, I guess. You know, I, I, I'm for it. I, I think it's viewers. Cool. Hey, by all I means, but cool. still, I, I think cool. I think the I think the young men are going to love it. You know, I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with it personally. Um, right. I, I think it'll be <laughs> okay. a good time. But sure. moving on from that, Jerry, let's talk baseball. Um, quickly, yeah, let, let's talk about baseball. No, never mind. We're transitioning to softball. Um, I mean, we could talk about both. Don't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, we could. But um, I really want to focus on softball tonight. You know, obviously, flowsoftball.com released their preseason rankings as well as D1 softball. And the Louisiana Raging Cajuns coming in at number eight in the country That's to open like to season. Uh, obviously, you know, finishing finishing fifty two and six last year, and twenty five and zero in the conference. 
just a dominant performance by Jerry Glasgow and his squad. What are your expectations of the squad this year, especially with all the newcomers on the, on the roster? Well, we're losing some. I mean, we are losing some key, or we lost a few key seniors last year, and Keely Milligan, Lexi Como, Cara Grimion, um, Cassidy Shomo. I mean, those are just some examples of, of, of key, not only key players, but key leaders. And that's always hard to replace. But one thing about this softball program is that they always know how to reload. And you always have new and upcoming uh, players that step up and, and just take charge. And I think that's one thing about this program that has always made it sustain itself for the many decades it's been around. And I, I have no doubt that it, it will, it, um, I have no doubt that it won't change this season, especially under the leadership of close coach Glasgow. I know he's brought some key players in um, as, but also know that he's got some good players returning who also made a huge impact last season, who I believe they're only going to get better. Um, I mean, this is, when you really think about it, the second full, um, offseason that coach Glasgow has had with these girls and you saw the massive improvement last season where he was able you know because I mean the first year he came in he was hired so late that he didn't really have a fall ball uh, time where he could uh, get these girls ready but um, he did last year you saw the difference and now you have a, a second year where he was able to go through fall ball he's able to go through a solid uh, spring training if you will or short winter training if you will uh, before the season starts so I, I you know look I'm be honest with you there's a lot of hype um, I know we have some girls added to the circle who are going to be really, really good outside of the successes of girls like what Summer Ellison uh, did last year. So I'm excited. I have high expectations. Um, I would hope that the conference would help us out a little bit and be a little bit stronger to help our RPI uh, to where we can host this time. But I think, I mean, you know, it'll be another year, another regional, hopefully other another conference championship. But I know these girls have a lot more um envision than just a Sunbelt Conference title. I think they want they want the big prize and that's Oklahoma City and being able to compete for a national title. And don't get me wrong, I think this team, depending on what these new girls do, I think look, I think they'll be in that that mix. Yeah, you know the there's there's no doubt that this squad is is made to be you know a, a force to be reckoned with for you know the the program here at Louisiana. You know, one you talked about new pitchers in the circle. One I really want to talk about is Megan Kleist. You know, she this isn't her first time pitching in Louisiana. Because if you remember, we'll go back to two thousand and I want to say two thousand sixteen is what it was. It was let's see, I'm gonna find the date. Yeah, February twentieth of two thousand sixteen. It was the, the weekend opener. Right. Oregon yeah. Oregon came to town to play Louisiana, and Lexi Elkins hit a bomb. Haley Hayden had a double. DJ Sanders had a hit up the middle. Spread the lead to 5-1 to one for the Cajuns in the third inning. And the Georgia coach had the – I mean, the Oregon coach had their pitcher in, uh, Sheridan Hawkins, and they said, you know what, we've seen enough – we need to try and take control of this game a little bit. So they bring in a freshman at the time, Megan Kleist. This is her stat line. I'm going to read it to you. She faced 16 batters. She threw 62 pitches, struck out three, walked two, only gave up three hits in four and a third, no earned runs. She kept the game at 5-1, to one, and then her offense helped her out a little bit and made it 5-4 to four before it was all said and done. 
Um, Louisiana obviously holding on to win that game. But, you know, clearly she has, you know, slight experience here in our ballpark. And, you know, that can go a long way for somebody transferring to, you know, a, a new a new program, a new facility. What what kind of impact do you think that Kleisty, as they like to call her, is uh, is going to make for the Cajuns? Well, look at the stat line she put up at Oregon in general. Um, I mean, look at where she came from. You know, the Pac-12 in softball is very similar to what the SEC is in football. I mean, it's a, it's a power conference when it comes to softball and the quality of teams that come from there. And I mean, she's I mean, she, <laughs> two straight going into uh, the or going into last season when she transferred. I mean, she delivered two straight 21 seasons uh, in the Pac-12, um, 21 and seven record, 1.32 ERA, 221 strikeouts against just 20, uh, 21 walks, 179 and two thirds innings pitch, tossed a no hitter against Florida State, who might I add won the national title that year, pitched a one hitter against Oklahoma. One hitter against Oklahoma and sported a 12-2 mark with a 1.19 ERA against the Pac-12. 1.19 ERA in the Pac-12. Ranked top 25 nationally in every major statistical category at the conclusion of the 2018 season. I mean, I mean, to me, this should, I mean, playing in this schedule, playing these teams that we face, no disrespect to our schedule, but some of these teams in the Sun Belt are, they're not Pac-12 schools, so she should have a... Uh, a lot easier route um, this yeah, season. Yeah, you know the, the Pac-12 has always been a dominant conference for softball. I mean, you look at you look at Oregon, you look at Washington, you look at UCLA, you look at UCLA Arizona USC, State, Arizona, Arizona. Yeah, I mean it's always been a dominant conference for softball. So you know the, if she can put up those kind of numbers in the Pac-12, there's no question what she can do with Sun Belt. No question about it. And so putting her with a one-two knockout with Summer Ellison, to me, when you have these two quality pitchers, this is what gets you to Oklahoma City. A lot of times, if you've noticed, whenever the the softball our, the softball teams of the past have gone to Super Regionals, what was always the reason why they couldn't get over the hump? They only had one pitcher, right? They had one arm. One pitcher. Um, I mean, look, know, look, look, at, look, at the regional, look at the regional last year at Ole Miss. Look how many yeah. innings Summer Ellison had to pitch. Well, on top of that, too, we didn't, um, have, we didn't really have a dependable second arm to go to. Right. And what happens is, I mean, after you see the same pitcher over and over, you start to figure You're out right. her mannerisms. You, you start you to learn, figure you out. You learn how she pitches. You Correct. learn her rhythm of pitches. I, I mean, mean, yeah, after facing her two or three times in a weekend, it, it's going to become pretty easy to start hitting off of her. Correct. Correct. So I think right now having these two pitchers back to back between summer and and. and and Megan, I mean that it goes a long way, and I think which I'm I'm hoping this it's gonna get it's gonna show uh, come postseason when they go to a regional and you're able to rotate them. That's where I think it's gonna help, especially if the bats come alive. The, um, to me, I mean, look, you look at your national championship teams if, in Oklahoma City. What do they all have in common? They all have like what two or three pitchers a piece. So you 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 take these two pitchers here, add it with the sort of the Glasgow style of hitting, it's, um, I think I can, it makes sense of why people high, have high expectations for this team. And I'm not talking the typical expectations of regionals. I think there's some people saying that the two magic words that, you know, we don't really talk about too much around here that we should be talking about more, but there's a lot of um, hype about this team possibly winning it all. Getting the natty. National championship. And 
I just want to say to fans, don't be afraid to say it. National championship. you got to aim big, right? Aim for the stars. And I think this softball team, they're aiming for the stars because I think they have enough confidence to know they have the talent to get it done. So we'll see. But I'm excited. I'm really curious to see what this team can do for sure. Yeah, and you know, so somebody else that's coming back this year after a big year last year is Alyssa Dalton. You know, in 2018, her sophomore year, she was the Sunbelt Conference Newcomer of the Year. Um, first team all Sunbelt, all for all Louisiana first team as well in her sophomore year. And then her junior year last year was really historic. Again, Sunbelt first team, Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. And she also did well in the classroom getting academic honor roll for the Sunbelt Conference. What kind of, not only obviously, you know, her her playing ability speaks for itself after the performance she put in last year for the Cajuns, but having that kind of experience, she started all 58 games last year. What kind of leadership aspect does Alyssa Dalton bring to this fairly young roster? Well, she's the epitome of what a Cajun softball player should be. Good in the classroom, consistent on the field, hard worker. Um, I mean, last year, I mean, she had, she had a fantastic season. I mean, she batted 400. Um, you know, I mean, she, she got on, I mean, she, <laughs> it seemed like she was always on base. Right. Um, and I think she's one of those type of players every year you have, you have players that, um, especially for the Cajuns, right. You always have one or two of those hitters that you always expect to just, to just shine. Um, In you know, two out, she had, so she had 43 RBIs last year. Okay. 24 of them coming with two outs. That's clutch. That's clutch. Twenty four of them. Yeah, that's clutch. Like, like that's that's just unheard of numbers in my opinion. She was one of the. She was voted. She was ranked top fifteen nationally as one of the toughest to strike out, with only six strikeouts in hundred and ninety six plate appearances. Un, that is unreal. Six strikeouts last year, man. Is unreal. <laughs> it really like that's that just that's freak level numbers. Um, you know, I, I know people kind of bash the the national pro fast pitch league. Um, you know, people people say that there's no there's no such thing as real pro softball, but you know, clearly she's a contender to be a top five draft pick. Oh, I could see it. In, I mean, she's in, I mean, in my she can... at least in my opinion. She can bat know, like she did, yeah. Those type, those type of numbers coming back for your senior season, you know, I, I think those are numbers that, that speak for themselves. And if she can put up a similar season this year, I think there's no question she's she's a top five draft pick in in the NPF. Sure, I, I can see it. I agree. Now, you know, let, let's head back to the roster. Let's look a little bit further down. Let's talk some newcomers to the to the roster this year. Kaylin Alderink a senior transfer from Texas A&M. Obviously, we've had a lot of luck with transfers from A&M. Um, Keely Milligan last year, Sarah Hudek coming back for her senior season this year. Um, She's another you know, one that's going to have high expectations. Obviously, you know, Jerry Glasgow's coaching experience at Texas A&M, he recruited those kids to A&M, and now he's recruited them to transfer here. You know, and also Coach Glasgow says that Alderink kind of replaces the speed on the bases that we lost with Keely Milligan. So that's something to look out for. Another player that a lot of Cajun fans need to watch is Kendall Talley, uh, transfer from Lamar. She's got a mean bat. She's tall in, in the outfield. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of talent there. 
Jerry, do you have anybody on the roster that that's a newcomer this year that you think we need to be looking out for? Um, I don't know. If she, I don't know if she was on the roster last year, but I noticed that there's a um, I don't is it is it Gianna Torres from Missouri? No, she is new. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what she can do. Um, obviously, uh, Alderink had a lot of expectations because of the fact that she comes from A&M. Um, you look at Kendall Talley, I mean, she's another one, an outfielder. She can, she can, I heard she has a pretty good bat behind, behind, you know, a good swing, if you will, a good bat. And I, I just find that it's ironic that a lot of these transfers are coming from big schools. It's not like they're coming from, you know, it's not, it's not as many JUCOs or anything like that, or smaller schools. They are some big, the big time schools. And of course, like last year, prime example was Raina O'Neill coming from Texas tech. And you saw the impact she made right away. Um, to get these girls, I mean, to get these girls from these respectable programs, I mean, I mean, of course the big one being Megan Kleist from, from Oregon, but still like, I mean, that's, that shows you the, the type of respect that coach Glasgow has, as well as the fact that there's no hesitation, regardless of if, you know, we are a G five program that we do have sort of a, um, a certain standard that's set here in the softball program with its rich history, as well as its culture. It's a compliment to the program here and what it's been able to do over the past 30 seasons. And the fact that, or, you know, however long it's been around, but just goes to show you like, there's a lot of respect that these girls have for this program and the fact that they're able to transfer here and not only transfer, but make an impact right away. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I really can't tell you off the bat of what I can expect from them. I expect good things, but I, to say that I, I know exactly, you know, what, what they're going to do. It's yet to be seen, but play, like I said, the Glasgow hitting system, man, it's, it works. So I'm excited. Um, I'm definitely excited to see come February 7th, um, what they're going to do early on. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, it, look, it's one of those things where like, if you see, <laughs> usually it's funny, it's almost a tradition where like, and I hate to say, and I don't want to jinx the team or anything, knock on wood, but uh, usually the first weekend, you know, the Cajuns always have one or two games where they'll score 22 runs or 19 runs or 15 runs. Uh, I can expect that this time around as well with this, with this, with this roster, especially the newcomers coming in and the impact they'll make right away. So yeah, absolutely. You know, 17 days away from first pitch for the softball team. You know, one one freshman I want to talk about again, Madison Gray. You know, she she's a pitcher from Bay City, Texas, and obviously like you, like we talked about with Summer Ellison and Megan Kleist really dominating that pitcher circle. I'm not quite sure how much playing time a freshman like Gray is going to get, but look for her to take advantage of the time that she will get. I'm going to read you some of her numbers from high school. She was the 2016 Newcomer of the Year in her district. She was the 2018 District MVP, uh, and she was Class 4A All-State in the state of Texas. Her career figures at Bay City include 54 wins and 864 strikeouts, over 450 and a third innings pitched in the circle, as well as a 447 batting average with 68 RBIs. Wow. Yeah, that's so not, only, not only can she sling it, she can hit it. You know, I'm curious to see how much, yeah, and I really am curious to see what kind of playtime she will get early on, just because for that reason, as far as, you know, being a freshman, and there's, of course you've got to follow in the footsteps. Of, and there's just so much dominance in the circle as it is. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it just, you know, and, and, 
but I tell you what, it's good to have someone like her is good to have um, when you want to give the other two rest, right? Especially in a midweek game, you want to give her some time in the circle. Um, I think someone like her could come in, you know, relief, maybe play reliever, maybe in conference, get some, get some experience. But let me tell you, man, <laughs> having this kind of depth, especially with this kind of youth, that that's a good combo. It's a good mix. Yeah, absolutely. And another freshman I want to talk about quickly before we wrap up the roster conversation is she's another freshman from Texas. She hails from, I don't want to butcher this, she hails from Richmond, Texas, and Foster High School, and that's Kylie Neal, a 5'8 outfielder. And, you know, I actually had the opportunity to sit down with Kylie over the summer. Um, she was in town for orientation. I had the opportunity to meet with her and, and talk to her a little bit about what her expectations were at Louisiana and, you know, what she was excited about. And, you know, um, one, one player that Cajun fans will know and love that she's actually worked out with on occasion being that they hailed from the same high school is Kelly Martinez. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, they, they've worked out together on a couple of occasions. Kylie considers Kelly a friend. You know, that that's something that could be a bright spot for the Cajuns, considering what Kelly was able to do while in Vermilion and White here in Lafayette. You know, a couple stats from Kylie while she was in high school. Her debut season at Foster High School, which was her junior year, she turned in a 476 batting average with 35 RBIs, finished first team on district, continued her momentum into the summer, hitting above 600 with 33 RBIs in travel ball. Um, she was named to the 2019 Perfect Game High School All-American watch list last year. Uh, and, and she was named Team MVP in her final season. And she also led the district in stolen bases that season. Interesting wow. interesting story about her that, that I found out over the summer. She was actually... So she's right-handed. And she was a right-handed hitter obviously because you know right-handed sure she had a hitting she went to a baseball camp her freshman year of high school and the one of the coaches at the camp looked at her and said have you ever considered hitting left-handed and she said i mean why would i do that i'm right-handed so they they completely they completely changed her hitting the way she hits She's now a left-handed hitter, and it's worked out for her marvelously, as you can see by her stats. Uh, I think I think she's going to be a phenomenal hitter for the Cajuns. Um, she's got a bright future ahead of her. Um, believe it or not, she has dreams of being a sports broadcaster. Good for her. Well, this is the perfect uh, place for her to learn. Jessica Mendoza from from Sunday Night Baseball is her inspiration. Um, so you know something something cool about Kylie. You know, I think she'll do big things for for the Cajuns this year. You know, a lot of lot of talent in this roster. Jerry Glasgow and company can do a lot with what they have. I mean, they usually do. Jerry, before we get into the schedule, we'll take a break before we get into the schedule. Do you have a record prediction for this softball team? Well, I I mean, obviously, I expect over forty wins at a minimum. Um, at a, at a, at a bare minimum, 
I mean, going into the regional last year, the team was 47 and four. I'll probably say something like, I don't know. I mean, how many games in the regular season now? Um, I think in the regular season, they played 53, 53. I know. I, I think, think I know college baseball is 56. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think softball is a little less than that. Yeah. I'd probably say something like 40, say like 44 and six, 44 and seven, maybe if that, depending on, you know, the schedule, because the schedule is pretty tough. It's, it's, it's a lot harder than last year. Um, you ready, you ready to get your mind blown? What, what you got? 51 and two. Oh my. 51 and two. No, dude, this, this team is top to bottom one through nine. This team is going to be rakers. Well, let me give you let me give you just a little rundown of the schedule, and I know you kind of want to talk about it, but this is why I think, not to say you know, they can't do it, but they got a little bit no, of a go, stretch. Go for it. Who do we who do we lose to? Well, I'm not going to say you lose to anybody, but you got a stretch of uh, you got you got the Tigers coming to town. It's a half and half sort of series where they come here first, finally about time, and uh, the next day they, we go to Baton Rouge. Then you got the UAB Blazer Classic, where, of course, you play UAB. You have Oklahoma State twice, Ole Miss twice. And then you go to Texas for two games. And then you go to Florida for three. So you got a little bit of a stretch there that okay, it's well, not wait, easy. Let me, let but me it's doable. It's, and then you go to Florida State twice. And then you go to Alabama one game. I mean, you, look, I'll tell you this. If we could get out, if we could come out of those games fresh with minimum, with minimum losses, healthy, and you get some big wins in that mix, that's how you host regionals. And that's how yeah. you get a, a nice seed. Now, so. l- let me ask you this. February 15th, we play LSU at home. Mm-hmm. Baseball has a home game against Louisiana Tech at 2. Yeah. Which one are you going to be at? Can I do half and half? Oh, and then by the way, might I add the crew of Rio rolls that night too. So, oh my god! What I might do is just park the car by Blackham, and then like go to the yeah, baseball you game. Might, you might have to. You might have to park the car at Blackham at like six in the morning. Yeah, park the car at Blackham, go to the baseball game, then go see softball, and then just walk to the parade after. Oh Jesus! Win win for everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the question on a lot of people's minds, since they're just going to Baton Rouge next, the very next day, are do you make the trip to Baton Rouge? Sure. Why not? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just Baton Rouge. It's not like it's a it's a four-hour drive. I mean, it's 45 minutes down the basin. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, look, the, the UAB. Got... Go, ahead, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, I mean, you've got – that's going to be a busy weekend for Cajun athletics because I mean I know for baseball and softball I mean baseball's got a home home baseball, stretch against baseball open softball's got a stretch yeah um, there I mean, might even be a basketball game but yeah it's it's and then of course you got that's that kind of kicks off like one of the Mardi Gras weekends you know yeah so and then you know <laughs> that that next weekend the Cajuns begin. You know, a big stretch on the road. They've got the Blazer. They've got the Blazer Classic in Birmingham, and then that next week they're in Austin, and the following weekend they're in Gainesville. 
come home, host a weeknight game, and then go on the road again to open Sunbelt Conference play in Conway, South Carolina. So, you know, from that February 15th point to March 11th, you're only going to see the Cajuns at Yvette Gerard Field once. And that's where their RPI gets tested, and that's how they strengthen that RPI and that stretch. If they can come out, like I said, they come out smelling like a rose during that stretch, that, that can make it or break it if you want to host a regional or even a super once it's all said and done and get some brownie points with the, with that NCAA committee once they start deciding who hosts and who doesn't. That's that's that stretch they're going to look at. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the, the conference, the Sunbelt Conference has never been very strong in terms of softball, so the Cajuns are really going to have to depend on their non-conference schedule to boost that RPI. Games like Louisiana Tech, like you mentioned, you go to Alabama – you play two games at Florida State and Tallahassee. You go to Southeastern, McNeese, playing McNeese twice actually. Yeah. Um, St. Houston State. The, those tournament that tournament in Birmingham, playing two games against LSU. Like this this schedule presents itself to have a super strong RPI finish, but at the same in the same regard. You also have to be able to win those tough non-conference games in order to supplement your weaker conference. Absolutely. And that's why I think that's why it's so important that Coach Glasgow and his staff were able to get those teams on the schedule. Because you saw it last year firsthand. The team went undefeated in conference. Undefeated. Undefeated. But then here's the other thing. As important as those non-conference games are, you can't put too much importance on them because could you imagine what losing a conference game would do to that RPI? Very true. Very true. Considering but, the Sun Belt's a weak conference. Well, it's a good challenge overall, right? So, I mean, you saw well, the team course, undefeated you know, in conference. Girls, these girls are never going to be ones to, you know, back away from a challenge. And, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be a good schedule. I think it's a good roster. And I think all around it's going to be a good year for them. Well, I mean, again, you went undefeated last season in conference, which is something that's very rare. And then yet you still had to go on the road as a two seed to Ole Miss because your schedule wasn't strong enough. And I think this year, um, I mean, you look at this schedule. I mean, look, if you produce a 47 and four record last year going into regionals with that schedule, I mean, I, if you're not a national seed, not just a host, but a national seed to where you also host, have a chance to host a super regional, there's something wrong. Yeah, no no question. You know, the, the Cajuns, in my honest opinion, I think the Cajuns are going to finish the regular season top three in the country. Um, you know, whether that comes to fruition or not, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a mind reader. I I'm just, just getting excited like that, Matt. Um, I, I, think this <laughs> I think this team's capable of being, you know, a, a top three team in the country. I think they're capable of hosting a regional and a super. And, you know, like I, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I think they're going to be in Oklahoma City playing in the College World Series. Well, they got a shot, and they got the team to do it. Um, now it's all about hitting the field and see what this team can do. And it's going to be a grind, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, Cajun Nation, we have a big, big, big announcement. Um, this weekend we will be interviewing former Cajun pitcher Austin Robichaux. And we're we're gonna Jerry and I are gonna sit down with him and we're gonna talk to him about that magical 2014 season with Coach Deggs being the hitting coach and you know ask him what it was like to play for play for a guy like Tony Robichaux, who was also his father. 
you know, things like that. We're definitely going to get into it. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be a great interview, though. Um, you know, Austin's really excited to join us. We're excited to have him. Um, so look for that coming soon. Basketball will be at home this weekend, both women and men hosting ULM. Women will tip off at 2. Men will tip off at 7 p.m. And you can listen to both of those games. If you can't make it to the Cajun Dome, you can listen to both of those games on ESPN 1420 and Hot 107.9. Jerry, anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, for the basketball game this weekend, I believe it's the reunion game. It uh, is the reunion game. A lot of former players and coaches come and they come and reminisce and get recognized. Um, And like I said, I mean, I was at the basketball game last week against Arlington or UTA. And, you know, this team, like I said last week, I'll say it again, you know, this team is shorthanded, but they're still trying. They're still playing hard. Um, It's... It, there, it's a very bad, it's a very odd predicament right now with that basketball program, um, you know. And but they're still, they're still, they're still fighting. They're not quitting. Um, obviously, they're struggling a little bit in the record column. But um, this weekend is a good weekend to go check them out. I think kids under twelve get in, twelve and under, or under twelve, under 12 get, in, get in free. And uh, again, you can go meet some of the former players, some of the old players that, you know, if you were if you were a USL alum and you went to the games in Blackham, now is a chance to go see some of these guys, talk to them, reminisce about the old days, and they'll get recognized as well. Um, but um, again, uh, that's that's this weekend against ULM and the Cajun Dome tip off at 7 and o'clock. Also, also for your halftime entertainment. Yes. Red Panda. Red Panda, man. Fantastic job last year. Uh, Kayla and I got to see her up close. Man, she's good. She is good. So you get yeah, some good entertainment there. And then uh, I also had the chance to go last Friday. I was uh, driving home from work. It was about about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm, I'm going down South College. And I look to my right. And, of course, I can't help but look at the baseball stadium every time I pass by or look at Cajun Field. I don't know. It's just like a magnet. And the fence wasn't up, the wall. The outfield wall wasn't up, and I saw a bunch of players on the field practicing or doing some drills. So, of course, it's like this um, you know, mind warp where I, t- I naturally, instead of going straight to my house, I turn right to go check out practice for a little while. And I went for about, eh, about 30 minutes just to kind of see the team practice. And, man, I shouldn't have done it. I should not have done it. Now because uh, the anticipation has gotten worse over the past three days since I've gone. Um, but for those who don't know, the, the, they're putting up a new outfield wall at uh, T. Moore Field at Russo Park. And uh, there was a newspaper article that came out today. I think in the, in the Advocate, they're going to be doing some really, really um, genuine and good, solid uh, dedications to Coach Rogue come opening night. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot more planned um, in the funnel for the next three weeks that we'll probably probably be hearing um, as the season gets closer. So I'm very excited about baseball season as well. Just like softball being a little a little over two weeks away, uh, baseball is a little over three weeks away. So both, days. Both, both diamond sports, it's 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 upon us. And so uh, a lot of excitement in both sports. And in the meantime, like I said last episode, and I'll say it again, um, you know, for those of you who are on the fence, Continue to donate to RCAF. Continue supporting Re-Education Athletics. Um, these student athletes and these coaching, these coaches and the administrators really, really appreciate your donation, your time. If you ever feel like you want to communicate some feedback, also too, let uh, you know 
feel free to contact uh, either either uh, Lee DeLeon or Hans Malbranch and, and just talk to them. You know, uh, what can you do to help support the programs uh, through your donations? Um, also, too, one more thing. I'm sure uh, for those of you who don't know, on on Facebook or social media or the news in general, uh, they I believe the administration came out with uh, parking, parking for baseball uh, the weekend yes. of or Mardi actually Gras. the weekend of the 14th and the 21st for Mardi Gras because I know Mardi Gras, the parades rolled through Cajun Field. There's going to be some um, activities going on um, that surround baseball as well. So there are going to be some parking, a little bit of parking issues, but uh, kudos to the administration for getting it out, letting the fans know now so you can prepare. So if you're going to the baseball game, whether it's the weekend of the 14th or the weekend of the 21st, uh, just be aware of those parking rules and, and the parking logistics and just prepare wisely and um, you can, well, however, you know, wherever they tell you to park, just park and uh, try to, try to, you know, um, watch your time as well uh, there. So. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. And, you know, you can email me any questions, comments, or concerns. I love to hear from you guys. Raging Cajun Army at gmail.com. Like I said, we'll be interviewing Austin show next week, and that'll be next week's episode. We'll talk more about baseball and softball in the coming weeks, as well as basketball and football with, with, the, with draft preparations for a few of our former Raging Cajun football players. So we'll talk all that in the coming weeks. Stay tuned for more, and we'll see you guys next week.